Welcome to the Jay Kim Show. This is your host, Jay Kim. I am an investor, author, and fitness entrepreneur. And for the first time in Asia, I sit down with the world's most brilliant minds in business, investing, and entrepreneurship. You'll learn all the secrets, strategies, and formulas to becoming a successful entrepreneur directly from the masters. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insight to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. Today's show guest is Leonard Kim, a personal branding strategist. Leonard's company, Influence Tree, is what's known as a personal branding accelerator. So if you want to build a personal brand, increase your social media following, grow your audience, or become an influencer, his company will help you get there. Leonard has a pretty intriguing personal story. He's very open to sharing his biggest failures, which lead him up to a point where he broke his ankle and was stuck on the couch for three months with nothing left to do but write on his laptop. It was only then that he discovered many of the strategies and tactics of how to build a personal brand. I was particularly interested in having this conversation with Leonard because I'm at a point where I just launched my podcast and I want to grow my audience. So I was very interested in what he had to say, what tactics he had to share with me. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this episode. So let's jump right into the show. Leonard, thank you so much for coming on the J. Kim Show. We're very happy to have you here. For our audience who hasn't heard of you, please give us a little bit of an intro. Who are you? Who's Leonard Kim? And what do you do for a living? Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Jay. I do appreciate being here. My name is Leonard Kim. And over the last three and a half years, I built a pretty successful personal brand. Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur, and Forbes all named me a top digital marketer. And I run a company called Influence Tree. And what Influence Tree does is it teaches people how to position their brand, get featured into publications, and grow their social media following. Okay, so you said three and a half years. That is not a long period of time for you to... It's not? <laughs> well, I mean, it, I guess it's relative. I mean, you. the funny thing is when you when you talk about personal branding, you, you hear both sides of the story, right? You hear people that are overnight successes, quote unquote, and uh, one hit wonders, or maybe they do something that goes viral. And that's that seems to be the way most people try to, to build their brand because they don't want to put in work, right? So it's a lot easier if you can just do one funny YouTube clip and all of a sudden become viral and, and, and get all a bunch of Twitter followers. And, uh, and that's the easy way out. Now, on the other side of the story is where you hear about people that really do put a lot of work and it's very intentional and it takes years and sometimes much longer than three and a half years. So in my mind, three and a half years is is not a long amount of time, a huge amount of time, but it's also not an overnight uh, type success. So how did how did you how did you pull this off? Well, I like you bringing up this point about the overnight successes. Like, for example, if you remember Skilo's song, I Wish I Was a Baller, mm. I Wish I Was a Little Bit Taller. Mm -hmm. Like, I met Skilo like a few years ago, and guess what he was doing? <laughs> he, he was selling car insurance. No way. Yeah, That's so, story, I mean, well. you can be an overnight success, but that doesn't always mean that it leads to long-term success. Like, people think that Michelle Pham was a... Uh, one time, one hit wonder who became a huge success and it just changed everything for her. But when someone discovered her video, what they saw is they had, uh, she had this whole collection of videos that were at the same quality, the same message, the same everything as the one that blew up. And that's what made her successful for the long term. 
some people out there they do have that chance to become a one-hit wonder mm. but that one piece of content sticks out and when you look at the rest of the content it doesn't have that same quality that same um um, that same connection or anything else and those are the ones that fizzle out and don't make anything happen so basically what you're saying is that the ones that have consistently put out let's say it's content and that's the, their form of communication they consistently put out content the one piece that does go viral is is not necessarily any better than the 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 quality of the pieces they've been putting out consistently it's just that one somehow hit a nerve with uh, the audience right Correct. Okay. And what happens when something goes viral is people look at that one piece, then they want to go learn more about someone. So they read through the other content. They look at the bio. They go through everything else. And that's how you create a fan base. So there's a little bit of luck in there. But what I did to build up my personal brand is at the time when I was starting everything out, I really didn't have any successes I could lean upon. I, I wasn't able to say, oh, entrepreneur named me this. I wasn't able to say, Inc. named me this. Mm. All I could say is I kind of failed at next to everything I did at life. Like from 2006 to 2012, I just worked in a few different businesses. They all went under. There was that real estate market crash. I was expecting to make $50,000 a month, but that all vanished because everything just went down in the fire sale. And I tried working at an investment fund. That didn't work out. I tried doing marketing for a few startups. Uh, but, you know, when you're working at a startup, there's a 95% chance that the business is going to fail mm. within the first five years. But there's a 95% chance that I'd still be alive after those five years, which I am still alive. <laughs> so, Thank God, um, yes. Yeah, I, I had that realization that if I keep investing into building the brands of companies and marketing companies and doing things like that, Chances are they would fail and I would have to start over and over and over again, which is kind of what I had to do throughout my life. And I just got sick and tired of starting over and I had this itching urge to just market myself. Mm. And I didn't really have anything to market because, you know, there was nothing great going on in my life. So I just talked about all the bad things that happened. Um, right. Someone once told me, Leonard, like, no one is absolutely useless. You can always serve as a bad example. Right. I thought about it for a moment, and I'm like, "Wait, I'm that bad example." <laughs> that's that's actually uh, it's genius in the fact that people resonate with with others that share that they can relate to in in bad experiences with, right? So the person that comes to mind is James Altucher, who's very honest and open about a lot of his failures. And uh, James, you know as well as I do, um, he he has a certain skill in storytelling where when you listen to him tell a story you're there's so many times where you're like oh i know exactly what that feels like because that's me right and because of that i think his his following is massive because people just connect with him that way and so so i think it's brilliant uh letter what you did so uh, this is this is actually this is very interesting because um so why, why don't you tell us a little bit about before you started uh, building your personal brand, what were some of the, what was there a turning point? Or I mean, you you just mentioned that there was several, you know, you had several stumbles along the way. Was there one point in your life where you were like, okay, I need to literally just do something with my life and and start branding myself? Well, I mean, like I talked about those failures and everything, things just got worse before they got better. I got evicted 
to my place before I was evicted. I had to shower in the dark because I didn't pay my electricity bill for like six months. I had to uh, walk over to the hallway, plug my phone in there, sit Indian style for about two to three hours waiting for it to charge. I mean, things were just pretty bad. Then after I was living at my grandma's place, you have Asian grandparents, right? (laughs) When they yell, can you tell me something that's scarier when they yell at you? No, no. That's pretty much the worst nightmare in the world. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So what my grandma did when I was yell- uh, living with her is she yelled at me. And she's like, Larry, go find a job. I was like, I want to play video games all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then I couldn't really do that anymore because she yelled at me. And I knew that if I didn't find a job, she would keep yelling at me. So I went on Craigslist. I found the first place that would interview me and I took the job. They paid me $2,300 in nine months. Wow. I'm pretty sure that's a lot less than minimum wage. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I guess the turning point was after that, I decided I can't live with my grandma anymore. I moved (laughs) back to LA, lived on the sofa for a while. And I was working at this entry-level position at American Honda, earning like $16.24 an hour. And I had this realization that if I didn't do something, I was going to live this way forever. And I kind of got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm. And I realized that, like, I wasn't getting promoted at my job. Right. And... All the ventures I worked on failed. I had this huge track record of failures. I didn't really have any friends. My ex, I tried reconciling with her, and she's like, F you, and she just went away. <laughs> and everything was just bad. I'm just yeah. sitting there going, how long do I want to keep living this way? So you hit a low point in your life, and what did you? What action step did you do when, when, you, when you realized, okay, something's got to change. I need to turn my life around. What's the, what was the first step that you did that you saw was pivotal in turning the momentum around, shifting the pendulum, if you will, to your favor? Well, as ironic as it sounds, what really changed the game and flipped everything around was actually me breaking my ankle. <laughs> ah. Yet another, I, <laughs> yet another personal <laughs> failure, if you will. Yeah, I broke my ankle because I went out with my ex. We got in an argument. She started pushing me away. So I just walked home and I was like drunk like no tomorrows. <laughs> I forgot I had my house keys on me. So I tried hopping the fence. And oh boy. I landed on the wrong side at first. So I had wow. to go back and hop it again. Then I landed wrong and broke my ankle and had to crawl my way up to the sofa I was living on to fall asleep. But... The interesting thing is when you break an ankle, like you're kind of forced to be at home Mm. and you have a lot of time. You can't really go to work. You can't really go out with your friends. You can't really go do anything. Mm. So since I had three months, I used that time to reflect because I'm a firm believer that where you are today is exactly where you're supposed to be, right? Mm -hmm. And that's based off all the decisions, all the actions, everything that you've done in your life. And where I was, I wasn't happy with it. And I realized that there had to be a reason for that. So I went through a a stage of reflection. I reflected back on my entire life. I was like, what's causing me to do this? Oh, my ex said that she always, she wouldn't want to be back with me unless I made six figures. Maybe I was making some, like taking some shortcuts, trying to make money faster just so I could appease her. And Mm -hmm. maybe that was what was like causing all these failures. Oh, there was this, there was that, there was this other thing. Like, oh, I'm starting to learn about why I'm such a loser. (laughs) (laughs) Then as time went by, like I got further and further back, then I started to remember like how my grandfather raised me. And 
He did the exact opposite of what I was doing. Like, whenever someone needed help with something, he'd be there. Everyone would look at him with a twinkle in their eye because he was, like, their hero. And he volunteered at the school cafeteria. He did this, he did that. And I'm sitting here going, I do none of these things. (laughs) So I had that realization that the only way for me to really move ahead would be to, like, live in his footsteps. Like, Mm. go out there and do, do what he raised me to do. Got it. Okay, so yeah. so you had a, a moment of reflection. You're sitting on your couch, broken ankle. So from there, you a year or two later, you're. I mean, you can't Google Leonard Kim now without seeing probably a dozen of the top business magazines publications featuring your name. You have a ridiculous amount of social media followers, <laughs> um, and you have your own company that does personal branding. So how did how did you do it? How did you do it? What's the short story? How did you what, what, give us the give us some tips? So kind of like what you said about James Altucher, you're writing things that connect with people by talking about like your hardships and your failures. Hmm. Uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back on it uh, in hindsight, I had a realization. Like, the first time when I clicked that publish button to put out my first article, I I sat there for about 30 minutes, like, trembling. Going, should I publish this? Everyone's going to think I'm a loser. They're going to think this, they're going to think that. You probably had the same thoughts when you were, like, putting out your podcast, right? Absolutely. 100%. I still do. I still do. Every single episode, when I re-listen to it, I, I think... You know, someone's gonna someone's gonna think I'm an idiot. You know, it's yeah. a fear that 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 doesn't go away. I mean, it's just part of being creative, right? Yeah, and I I thought that too. I'm like, people are gonna think I'm a failure. They're gonna call me a loser. They're gonna call me this and that. They're gonna say, oh, Leonard, you never amounted to anything. And I felt like I was never going to amount to anything. But then, for some reason, that fear. What I realized is, if you fear something, you have to kind of identify what it is. Look at it in the eyes. You have to buy into that fear. And that doesn't mean like get scared, obsess over what's going on or anything like that, but buy into it as an indicator, as an indicator that you're onto something great. Hmm. Yeah. I've heard that before, actually, the fear, fear being the the lead indicator of what you actually should do. So let's, this is good because, uh, Leonard, I I could use some of your help right now, actually, (laughs) because I just launched my podcast. So let's, let's, let's go practical now. Let's go, uh, let's give our audience a little bit of practical tips. So let's take me, for example, I just launched my podcast. I'm a nobody, right? I mean, I, for all intents and purposes, I don't have any sort of public profile, I have like a thousand Twitter followers. I have virtually no one knows who I am, right? I've written a little, a couple articles here and there, but that's it. So, what's the first? What's the best place for someone to start? Let's say I hop over to Influence Tree and I see you and your partner. There's, you know, you guys are doing some good work, and I'm interested. And I'm like, okay, guys, help me out. What would you? What What would be the first steps that you would take? Well, the first things you need to do is figure out what your strengths are and what you actually incorporate into your personal brand. And all of this get really gets incorporated into your bios and everything. Hmm. Like, we all have a general idea of how the world perceives us, and we all have a general idea of how we perceive ourselves. But how accurate is it? Mm-hmm. The uh, way to get the most accurate picture is, one, to get two sets of post-it notes. On the first set of post-it notes, let's call these the green ones. On the green ones, you write down one word that describes you on as many as you can. Okay. And you have to keep doing this until you can't think anymore. 
Right. Then on the second set of post-it notes, let's say they're the yellow ones, what you do is you pass them out to friends, colleagues, relatives, whoever it is that you know who's going to be completely honest with you and have them write one word that describes you. Let them know it's going to be completely anonymous. Pick them up in a bag mm. or just dump them into somewhere so then they know that it's anonymous and you're not judging who says what. Right. And get all those back. Now what you have is you have two sets of post-it notes, how you see yourself and how the world sees you. So what you could do is you could find a whiteboard and you could take set A and start sticking them up onto the wall. Now you get set B and let's say you said that you thought you were a great speaker, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say five other people said, oh, you're a great speaker too. What you would do is you would cluster those together so you could highlight your traits. Those are your strongest uh, personality traits that are the uh, forefront of your personal brand. Okay. Now, some people out there, like when I did this exercise, a lot of people said great laugh. For me, I never knew I had a great laugh. I thought my laugh was kind of like stupid and dorky. And, but then <laughs> since they said, oh, Leonard, you have such a great laugh, I'm like, oh, this is an indicator that I have something else that's great that I can incorporate into who I am. So sometimes you'll see things like that. And Interesting. some people who are jerks, who are much needed jerks in life, will tell you about mm. your flaws. And those are yes. the things that you have to work on and eliminate. Yes. And after you have all this done, actually you get to see where you are. Then the next step is to see where you want to be. So you take three people you admire. Let's say it's James Altucher, uh, Richard Branson, Tony Robbins. And you look mm-hmm. at their characteristic traits. And you take what piece and take what you like out of theirs. So now you have where you are and where you want to be. And you kind of are able to create a roadmap in between. Got you. Okay, that's quite interesting. And then? The next step is, when I used to do sales, there was a 10-step process. Step one was meet and greet. Step two was sell yourself. Step three Mm -hmm. was sell your company. Step four was qualify and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. When you're in person, it's so easy to be like, hi, my name is Jay Kim, and you are? And you can go, oh, do you like going to the beach? What are your hobbies? What do you like doing? And you could ask questions and you could start discovering what other people like. Right. So you could be like, oh, me too. I like that too. I did this. And that's how you sell yourself. You build that connection, right? Online, it's a little harder because you can't ask questions. I mean, you can, but no one's going to answer them. <laughs> that's right. So what you have to do is you have to talk about the things that you like. So if you like boat riding, if you like going to the horse races, if you like petting horses, eating ice cream, whatever it may be, you have to incorporate all those things into your bio. So people are able to, you're able to humanize yourself and people are able to buy into you. That's quite interesting, yeah. Now, how I would start a bio is I would start with your accolades, but if you don't have accolades, it's okay. You can start with what you want to aspire to do. Then afterwards, you put in your personal story, then you end it with kind of where you are right now. That's quite interesting because the you're you're absolutely right. When you the, the web is it's like a one way conversation for the most part. It's people coming to your page and reading about you, right? And mm-hmm. I think the flaw, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, the flaw of a lot of people, and I'm guilty of this too, is you want to come across as perfect. Like you always want to sh- reflect yourself in, in the best light. It's like every single Facebook photo is perfectly shot, you know, and you don't see the thousand behind that were deleted and edited and, you know, and, and whatnot. So it's interesting trying that when you sit, when you recommend to mix in, uh, maybe not flaws, but some of the more personal highlights of yourself uh, to give it a more real feel, right? Like a landing page or a, or a, or a personal website. So 
once someone has done that, they've set up their landing page or home homepage and they have their bio, they know their where what they aspire, who they want to become like, and they've done this exercise with the post-it notes. Now, how do you start building a social media following, a profile, building influence? What's the, what are the next steps after that? So you have your foundation set. Mm-hmm. Once you start going out there and building whatever type of content, getting views, getting people to see it, they're all going to bounce back to that. And that's how they know if they're going to buy into you and stick with you or not. So that's why you need that bio. That's your foundation. That's your uh, rock. That's everything that you stand on. Right. Now, the next phase after that is basically content creation. And I like what you said about, oh, you have to go take the perfect picture. You have to go out there and do everything that's perfect, right? Mm. When you look at Instagram, whatever social media page it is, all these people are going out there presenting their perfect selves. Yeah, right. Now, me, I'm not perfect. Jay, you're not perfect, are you? I'm definitely not perfect. (laughs) And and here's the problem. We're imperfect people, but all we see online is perfect content. People going on vacations, people being happy, out with their friends, doing things Mm -hmm. that they love. And me not being perfect, when I see these types of things, I kind of feel a little empty and a little jealous inside. Like what I'm trying to do is I'm thriving for connection. I'm thriving to connect with others. But I just see everyone living this perfect life. So who am I able to connect with? Mm. No one really. And it's really hard because like, it's the same thing when you think back on like grade school. Like when you read about like maybe George Washington or some other person in your history books, you're like, oh, this guy's like perfect. I can never be a president because he's nothing like me. The only thing he ever did wrong was cut down the tree. So then right. like school, when you school is a perfect indicator of this because the history books, they showcase people as perfect pictures, but you're not able to connect or relate. Like Helen Keller, she went off and made the socialist movement and did all these big things with her life, but they only talk about her being blind and deaf. And guess what? In school, she gets made fun of. So when you only take a portion of your story, that's kind of what happens. You either get made fun of or you're unrelatable so people don't buy into you. Right. Okay. So back to the, the homepage and whatnot. Okay. So I built my homepage. I'm ready to go. Uh, I, I have my story and I'm putting out content. I'm putting out my blog posts, my podcast episodes. I have all my social media channels set up, which also another question for you in the flood of different mediums, where are the best places to be involved in? You know, I think when you first get involved in this game, it's very overwhelming because there's, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, personal blog, blah, 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 medium, LinkedIn, all these different things. You kind of feel overwhelmed. You have to be involved in every single one of these social media channels. You don't have to be involved in every single one. Uh, The best recommendation is if you want to monetize your brand, you have to be good at two. Now, mm-hmm. when you're creating content, back to the thing where we talked about people wanting to uh, go out there and connect, what you have to do is you have to not make it so perfect. You have to put in your flaws and do what scares you. If it scares you, you're on to creating good content. Now, where do you place that content? When you're on Facebook, the only people who could see it are the people you're connected with. When you're on Twitter, the only people who could see it are the people that you're connected with. All these are like kind of like closed networks where you have mm-hmm. doors where you could slowly open them up. But where could you go? Let's say you have like 20 social media followers. Where where could you go with 20 social media followers and actually get your content read or seen or heard or visualized? There's not that many places, right? Right. And this is where most people start out. 
So what you need yep. at that time is you need a platform that will boost your post into feeds of people who don't follow you so they can discover what you have written, what yes. you uh, wrote, your audio, and things like that. I mean, if right. you're taking the writing route, the two best platforms for that is Quora and Medium. Right. With Quora, they have millions and millions of users. So you can just write something on Quora. Like my first post on Quora, I had like three followers on the platform. I had 102 views on it. That's what, mm -hmm. 30, 40 times more than um, what my follower count was. Yeah, and right. when you post something on Facebook, if you have 200 followers, 20 people see it. So, I mean, you have to kind of like optimize your content into platforms with pre-existing audiences so you can take advantage of more eyeballs seeing your content. With Medium... Mm -hmm. There's a lot of sub-publications out there like The Mission, Be Yourself, uh, all these other ones. And you can submit your content to those. And some of those platforms have over 100,000 followers. So if they accept what you have written, then you get a bigger audience seeing your content as well. Mm. So that goes along the, it's kind of like guest posting. So it's the same sort of thing. You have to put your content somewhere that has a bigger reach, right? Exactly. Because like, who's going to go to your website? No one. <laughs> no exactly. one knows who you are. Yeah. Exactly. And until people discover who you are, that's when they start going to your website. So that's why you need to take advantage of all the content syndication networks you possibly can mm -hmm. while putting your content onto your own website. Like some people go, oh, what about SEO? Aren't you hurting yourself by having your same content in the same place? It's like, who cares? You're getting more views. And no one's going to Google what you have written anyway. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. So... So Quora and Medium are two good places to get started. Um, and how long do you have to? I mean, okay. So when you're when you're a content creator, uh, the one thing is you can't. You basically have to be consistent, right? And so how long do you? Let's say you started today. How long do you think it would take for someone if they were writing consistently? Maybe not every day, but you know, say once or twice a week. Uh, type of content, blog posting, maybe answering some questions on Quora, um, doing a little ad hoc here, stuff here and there. If they're doing things right, how long would it take before they could see a substantial you know, sh shift in, uh, in momentum? Well, for me, uh, that's probably the best example because I came out the gate with like no content and no mm. background, no credibility or anything like that. In month one, I had 102 views. In month two, I had like maybe 3,000 views. By month three, I think it went up to like 27 or 50,000, something like a dramatic increase in the viewership. Then um, it went up to like 300 to 500,000. Then by the end of the year, or within the first six months, I had 2 million reads on my content. Wow. And this is how often, what's, what was your cadence of, of publishing content? Was it kind of like every day? At that time, it was every day just because I had nothing better to do. I was working at a job I hated. I wasn't mm. happy and things like that. But I've had other people like um, there's this guy, Daniel. Uh, we chatted a little bit online and he started using Quora. He got like a million views in like two months, three months. Wow. And that was based off like maybe 30 pieces of content. And um, like I've helped Michael Simmons go out there. We worked with like four pieces of content, four pieces and got 100,000 views off four pieces of content. Then um, Brian Scudamore, wow, we did two pieces of content and that hit like 500,000 views. So. This is on Quora? or Yeah, on Quora. Wow, okay. 
So yeah, okay, so that's that's pretty cool. That's so this is a nice little side hustle hack for listeners. If you're working at a day job that you maybe aren't allowed to log into Facebook, but you can log into to Quora, you can go yeah. ahead and start uh, putting out content there and getting your side hustle on, right? Okay, good tip, Leonard. Um, okay, cool. So and then this kind of just will help. Obviously, the more views, the more traffic. It's kind of like one of those organic uh, machines that just has to grow. So. Uh, so now, uh, fast forward several years, your following is pretty big. This has obviously led you to be able to guest post, I guess, at, at different big publications. Um, how, how did, how does, how does one go about guest posting? Let's say they've, they've written a lot on Medium and, and, and answered a lot on Quora and they're just dying to get into a Huffington Post or, or one of these big publications. You know, what's the best way to do that? You know what's the great thing about Medium and Quora and those types of networks? They have media content syndication teams who pick content up from those sites and put it onto those other sites if they match like the beat, the tone, the uh, word count, and things like that. So if you actually want to be in like the Huffington Post as an author, what you could do is read their articles, mimic the style, mimic the voice, and make your content just like that and put it on Quora. And if it matches, chances are um, the Huffington Post is going to pick up your article. That's a great tip too. I mean, that's like reverse engineering. <laughs> so you're, that, you're doing that's nothing. That's exactly how you're supposed to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly how you're supposed to do it. Actually, um, when you read about how to guest contribute, uh, it's literally mimic exactly how they do it. Link up to their that publications uh, in in your article, blah blah blah, and then they'll get noticed. So. Um, awesome. Okay, cool. So we have to look to wrap up. I just have a couple more questions for you. So what sort of projects are you, work, are you working on personally? I know you mentioned uh, before we had the call that you had, had a TED Talk coming up. What else are you working on at this point? Working on finishing up a book proposal to get it submitted out to the big publishers. Nice. And that's going to be on personal branding? Yeah, personal branding. Excellent. What else am I working on? A few speaking things here and there. That TED Talk. But the main thing that you do is it your work at Influence Tree? That's my main focus. We have both the course and we do agency work. So like, let's say you have not a lot of money, but a lot of time and you want to go out there and learn. We have a whole course that teaches right. you everything you need to know with some of the lessons that we shared here. Then we have the agency model where it's like, oh, I have this big company or I have X amount for my budget. I really want to go out there and build my personal brand because I realize how important it is. We go out there and we do it mm -hmm. all for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. That's that's uh, that's interesting to know as well. Um, because And it's obviously there's a demand for it because I think the trend now is the more and more people are catching up to this trend of building your personal brand and you know, I mean, after 2008, the financial crisis, we've all experienced it. A lot of people, a lot of companies went bankrupt. A lot of people were job ended up jobless. And people's confidence in the economy is just not there anymore. And, you know, it doesn't matter how big or old of an institution you work for. You never know. You never know. One day it might go under, right? And so exactly. the best hedge is to, to start building your personal brand and start just having you know making a name for yourself for for the times when you do when you are at a job or your grandma kicks you out of your house and or you break your ankle exactly <laughs> all right well great thanks leonard um so the best place to, for people to find you follow you uh, like i said if you 
Google search Leonard Kim, you'll find everything. But is there anywhere else that you want us to direct the audience's attention to? Uh, well, there's my website, LeonardKim.com, if you want to learn more about me. Then there's my businessinfluencetree.com, if you want to learn more about um, what I do. Excellent. Fantastic. Thanks again for your time. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me, Jay. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under 3 hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness.